0: Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. To hear more sermons and to find out more about our church, please visit sugarhillchurch.com. If you have your Bibles today, we're going to teach out of a passage that Paul wrote in the book of Ephesians, and he's writing a letter to a church there in Ephesus. And in the first chapter, in the eighth verse, he makes a statement that is very Christmassy. I mean, if you're like me, Christmas is just one of those things that you, you come up with all kind of things. Like I, I remember what, what, what it was like as a kid, and, and now it seems like I blink in Christmas here. And when I was a kid, it seemed like it took forever, didn't it? And, and now I look, and, and Christmas is fun. It's family, and you do things you, you, you don't do any other time of the year. You listen to cheesy music. I mean, the whole, the whole Christmas experience I love. I mean, I totally dig the whole Christmas thing. But part of the reason is because I've had Christmases that were very hard, too. Haven't you? Had times where they were difficult? I mean, I've had seasons in my life where I just really thought, God, would you just give me a break? I mean, you're killing me here. Some of you came into this room today and you feel that. You may not articulate it that way, but it's like, God, I'm dying here. You've got you to go work on somebody else today. But it looks in chapter 1, verse 8, we see this picture where Paul writes to the Ephesians, and he says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light. I don't miss this because when he says flooded with light, what he's saying is, I pray your heart would be flooded with the presence of Jesus, the light of the world. You see how those two go together? Paul's writing to them, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with Jesus so that you can understand the confident hope, the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Literally, what Paul is saying is that I pray that you, here in Sugar Hill Church, If you're sitting here today or you're listening or watching on an app or podcast, he's saying, my prayer for you is that your heart would be filled with Jesus, knowing that you are his prized treasure, you are his kid. And in times where you feel like life is hopeless, he says, I pray you would be filled to the degree that confidence and the hope of glory being Jesus would abound in your heart. I think we've all experienced seasons where we felt pretty hopeless. Man, I've had them. I felt hopelessly alone. I felt hopelessly broke. I've, I, I think I've done them all. I felt hopelessly betrayed. I felt hopelessly broken. I think we've all been there. And Paul comes along and says, I want you to experience a confident hope. You know, when, when, when I was little, the question that I loved people asking me most was, was what do you want to be when you grow up? People still ask you that? People still ask me that. What do you want to be when you grow up? It's like, do you like do you pastor full-time or do you have like a real job? But, you I know, mean, I hear it all the time. And we, we play with the kids, don't we? I mean, all of our families, what do you, you want to be when you grow up? I remember when Samantha told us that she she wanted to be an NFL player. The only thing I knew to tell her was, you know, Sam Bam, you're an awesome kid. You know, when she wakes up, you know what she thinks? I'm an awesome kid. Let's go conquer the world. You know what? A confident hope gives us the ability to wake up tomorrow morning with this certainty. God is waiting to infuse my soul with hope. But this is important. I don't want you to miss this. Sometimes we think hope is an emotion. Hope is not an emotion. According to the Scriptures, hope is in the presence and the power and the person of Jesus Christ, our Lord. You know what that makes hope? That makes hope Christmas. Christmas is hope. Hope is Jesus coming to be our Lord, our Savior. There we were in a messed up world. If you're like me, I've made a million mistakes in my past. I've made mistakes that I would never want you to know about. You've made mistakes you wouldn't want anybody to know about. And some of us are living so deeply in our past that it is literally dictating our present and our future because we can't get past how bad we've been or how we've been hurt or who's done us wrong or we can't get past forgiveness. We can't move on. We're living in a stage where we're bitter where somebody has betrayed us. We're hurt because somebody hurt us. We're in that circle. We're a part of gossip where we shouldn't be and we just can't move on and our past is dictating our present and our future and what happens when we live in the past is this one simple yet powerful thing because it's not an emotion, it is a person. We have taken that person and ripped him from our heart and said, I have no hope. But then God looked upon our lives and said, but that's my kids. I love you. I want to give you hope. And in doing so, he sent his only son, Jesus, born in a place nobody would expect to a woman nobody could imagine to do things no one else could. And he came, and Christmas became hope that tomorrow morning, that this afternoon, that Wednesday afternoon, as you walk into that difficult appointment, he says, I am hope. I I look at that, and I've heard in the past this, this statement that the best predictor of our future is indeed our past, but I think there's a big unless there unless something significantly happens in our life that brings change, something to us, something that would have to be monumental, like a little Jewish girl asleep and an angel comes and says, don't freak out, you're about to be a mom. Unless you're shepherds and you're stinky and you're hanging out with nasty, dirty animals in a field and a multitude of heavenly angels come and sing and they say, don't be afraid. Are you kidding me? And in every case, you know what they said? I'm going to bring you hope. I bring you hope. So here's a question to maybe ask ourselves as we enter into this Advent season, this Advent season of hope. Is your past really in the past? Or is it dictating your present and your future? Is there ability to say, wait a minute, Is my past really in my past or is it still impacting my present? Will it determine my future? That hamster wheel, that roller coaster ride of our our lives sometimes drives us deep into soul-searching questions of why am I not becoming the person I know God wants me to be? How have I lost hope? Here I am a Christian. I've given my life to Christ. Why do I have no hope? Maybe you're here today and you'd say, man, I, I don't even know this whole Jesus thing. Why would I ever put faith in that? Maybe you're here and you gave up and you said, I have no hope and yet I still believe in Jesus, but I just can't get it. You see, whether our pain is deeply seated or whether it's something that's just on the the surface and it's been recent, all those hurts, anything that's happened in our past, if we don't deal with it properly, it's more than likely going to cripple us from becoming who God wants us to be. And our past gets to be one of two things, with hope Something that he conquers for us. What did Jesus say? You can do all things through him. All things. And yet, I fear that many of us live in the fear here that, you know, he could do it for somebody else, but he don't, you don't know how bad I am, Chuck. You don't know how bad I've become. You don't know the decisions I've hidden from everybody. And Jesus says, But I'm here. I'm your hope. But hope is not an emotion, hope is a person. So regardless of where that pain is, the good news is who we were yesterday doesn't have to limit who we can be today and tomorrow. Yesterday shouldn't have to dictate this. I'm still learning that everybody needs healing. Everyone has been hurt. Some of us have been hurt more than others. And some of us are just hanging on to it. We can't let it go. We can't forgive. We can't move on. Pete Wilson, who's a friend of mine and pastors a great church in Nashville, listened to this quote where he said, If we don't learn to transform the pain we've suffered, all we'll do is transfer it to someone else or onto our family. I look at that and I think, you know, what is it we're dealing with? What is it that I'm dealing with? What is it in your life you desperately need hope for? I mean, some of us, it's a secret sin nobody knows about. For some of us, it's a failed marriage that just absolutely just exhausted you. For some of us, it's sexual abuse that we just can't get past or a miscarriage that we live through, or the deceit that you've had to live with, or the bully that has always intimidated you, or the overbearing or uncaring parent that tried to raise you. Maybe all that stuff and something I didn't even mention is wearing and heavy on your shoulders, and in your life you're looking for some healing and some hope that you might live beyond it, and you might conquer it, and you might see victory on the other side. And to add fuel to the fire of trying to escape poor decisions or superior attitudes or painful deceptions, we often find ourselves in this pervasive belief that being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus, means that I need to put my church face on, suck it up, and act like I've got it all together. Put all of the right Christian quotes out there. Put Jesus calling on my Facebook. Make everybody think I'm loving Jesus and come to church and put my Christian face on and say, I've got it all together. And then when you get in the car, say, I don't have one ounce of hope, but I looked good. What a horrible existence when real hope is here for the asking. I mean, maybe we're afraid that God really can't do it for us. Maybe, maybe we believe he won't do it because of how bad we are. Maybe it's that if we admit that we're broken and messed up people, that we don't have all the answers and aren't worth anything, and we don't get that as a follower of Jesus, when we put our trust and our life in Jesus, the old becomes new, then why don't we act like it? Why don't we feel like it? Our thoughts rush to this thought of, I need to work harder. I need to read my Bible more. I need to look happy. I need to play Christian. I need to listen to 104.7 The Fish, and I need to go to 12 more Bible studies, and I need to dress this way and walk this way and talk this way. But, you know, it's interesting. One of my favorite Bible characters, Pastor Pastor Bobby preached on last week, is Joseph. Joseph was the baby of 12 boys. Can you just imagine how brutal that existence was? It, It was made worse by the fact that Daddy called him his favorite. So his brothers decided, we'll take care of him. So they beat him up, left him half dead, threw him in a hole. Can you imagine looking through a swollen eye and looking up at your brothers and thinking, that hurts? You know, I've learned something. That when people say, I love you, it's not like that sticks with you often. But when somebody shows you or tells you they don't, boy, it rips your guts out, doesn't it? When deception has and you know, wait a minute, that person I thought loved me, that, that rips my gut out. And the only thing that cures that is a hope that you might be able to move beyond it, to rise above it. Jesus came not that we would have to work harder because there's nothing you can do and nothing you can earn and nothing you can pay. There aren't enough Sunday school classes to go to, Bible studies to attend. You can't give enough money to earn the hope found in a relationship with Christ. God said, I love you. I'm going to give you the best gift of of, of all time. I'm going to give you my son. It's at that point in our life that we need something. We need hope. The belief that whatever rut you're in, God has a way out of. And it's a plan of redemptive grace, watch this, designed just for you. You're not a part of some grand global just dot. You're not just a number to him. He designed a plan for your life that you might experience hope. The rejection of his brothers, I mean, I can just see... Day after day, Joseph thinking, I'm going to get mine. When those 11 show up, you wait. Because Joseph wound up through an oddest series of how God matured him. And he wound up being second command in the great nation. And there came a famine. And his brothers had to come to him thinking he was dead, not knowing he was now the guy in charge. And Joseph could have looked at his brothers, and he could have thrown them in jail, had them tortured had them beat, and he might would have had that temporary feeling of, I got them, but he didn't. He extended grace and forgiveness, took the high road, and he helped them, and he gave them hope. Don't you think Joseph had to have thought at one time, why so much injustice for me? I didn't do anything. I I got charged with rape and I didn't do anything wrong. I got thrown in a pit just because I was the baby boy. He might have just thought, this injustice has got to stop. But he didn't. He saw a bigger picture of God. He saw there was another way. He, he realized he needed hope. And the presence of that hope fa- was found in a relationship with God. He heard two powerful, life-altering words that are found throughout Scripture in hundreds of times. And it sounds like this, but God, but God. Every time you read that piece of Scripture, where you read, but God, something fantastically wonderful is about to happen. I mean, every time you see, but God, in the Old and New Testaments, you find something that's wonderful in promise. The psalmist said in Psalm 73, 26, my health may may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever forever. A God who says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. He is mine forever. All the things around me may just go to pot, but God still holds me, still loves me, and in him I find hope. Jesus said in Matthew 19, 26, humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. The apostle Paul wrote... In the book of Acts, in chapter 13, verse 29, when they had done all that the prophecies had said about him, speaking of Jesus, they took him down from the cross and placed him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. Every time you see that, what we see is God shows up. And whatever's gone on in your past, by the way, I rarely see anybody, as a matter of fact, I'm sure I've never seen anybody, come to my office for a counseling appointment and say, you know what I'm really worried about? I'm worried about what's going to happen eight years from now. I mean, people show up in my office because something has recently or in the past affected them, and they cannot get past it, and they're trying their best to move beyond it. And what we find in that is that at the end of the day, there is no escaping your past, is there? But God, but God made us alive. Once we were captive to our past, but God made us free. Once we were unworthy, but God has promised to be with us forever. He didn't come to this earth so that we could celebrate Christmas. He came to pour out grace and mercy and love that we might have a Christmas forever filled with hope. Jesus came at Christmas with hope. He didn't create hope. He doesn't make hope up. Hope is never an emotion. Hope is found in Jesus, the person of Jesus, the Son of God, the risen Savior, who was born of Mary in that little stable Around Sugar Hill Church, we often say "Welcome home." But you know, the one thing I know: this church is not perfect. I, I can tell you that with great certainty because your pastor's far from it. Matter of fact, I, the more I'm here, the more I believe we're the perfect place for people who aren't normal folks, like shepherds, where Jesus just said, "Look at this. I'm going to blow your mind." Today, a lot of us who came through these doors brought needs and loneliness, grief, heartache, suffering. But God is bigger. Hope has come. Emmanuel, we'll sing Emmanuel throughout this this whole holiday season. We'll see it on cards. We'll see it on wrapping paper. Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Isn't it interesting, Emmanuel isn't in the past tense, God was with us. Emmanuel is not in the, per- in the present tense, God will be with us. Emmanuel, God with us. He came and never left. He is here. Today, hope is yours. But God designed that we would have a life ready to receive like a gift with abundance today and eternity forever. Hope came. And we call that Christmas. Paul wrote back in Ephesians chapter 1, I pray your hearts. Anytime you read that, he's not talking about the organ. He's talking about our head to our toe, that our life would be flooded with Jesus so that you can understand with great confidence. He has given to you his children who are his rich and glorious inheritance. God says to you, no matter how messed up your life may be, however lonely you are, he says this, come on to me, I'm hope, grab hold. Take me, I'm hope. That's why we're committed to the future. That's why we're committed to reaching students and children, that they might choose hope, that today you might choose hope, that families might choose hope. Why? Because hope is the presence, the person, and the power of Jesus. So you say, Chuck, well, what do I do? Well, I mean, you could help backpacks and you could help children. But you know, at the end of the day, there's three kind of people here that have three solutions when it comes to hope. Number one, there may be people here who have never entered into a relationship with Jesus and said, man, I, I need hope. And today it's as simple as saying, Jesus, I need you. I, I, I want to accept all you did for me and be my hope. There are people here who... You've been a Christian, you've been a Christ follower for for years and years. But the fact is, this life has beaten the hope out of you and you've lost it and you need to redeem it because Jesus, the hope of glory never left, we did. And there's a third kind of person here. Well, man, you live with hope for everybody else, but not for you. Because in your heart, I'm the martyr. And Jesus has come to all three of us and said, I'm hope. And all you have to do is choose me. On the launch of this Advent season, choose hope.